Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, this is Kevin Kelly. Get ready for the latest episode of the Starimcast. guys and welcome to the stardom cast your weekly audio source of all things world wonder ring stardom i'm your host rob Gooden. i am joined as ever by matt turner matt turner how the devil are you on our 100th episode our centenary my friend Yes. Uh, first of all, I am great, uh, as always. Thanks for asking. And I got to ask you, my friend, you're the one that started this, uh, you and Chris, well, a few years ago. You're the OG. Would you ever, did you ever think when you guys started this, or you got to episode like two, three, four, five, that you would be not only at 100 episodes, but really kind of the peak of this podcast as, uh, as things are rocking and rolling? Do you ever think you would get this far and um, it would be going you know, this well? Um, I've, I've been doing podcasts for years, but to have one with the following that we've got, I mean, we've been texting back and forth this week and we've had really nice messages from people, um, as early as literally yesterday, I think it was. Um, and it's really humbling. Like, you know, we've done podcasts where I've just, you know, messed about with a couple of mates and, but to have one that's, you know, quite important to people is is really quite humbling and I, I never thought i'd have anything like that to have anyone you know to have one person listen to me ramble is uh is fairly humbling but to have people that you know to get to 100 episodes and for people to actually want to listen to it is uh is a bizarre thing i don't think i'm ever gonna get used to but yes when i first started this i did not think it would last 20 episodes never mind 100 yeah, well, congratulations, my friend, on 100 episodes. Uh, I speak for everybody when we say, you know, thank you for starting this. Uh, thank you for letting me be. <laughs> thank you for letting me be a part of this. And here's to another, you know, maybe thousand or more. Well, absolutely, and I think I, you know, I also speak for everyone that listens and said just to say that you did. You've done a fantastic job. You've killed it, um, and you continue to kill it in everything you do. And also, I think it's fair to say there would be no Stardom Cast without you, my friend. So. Uh, it's a pleasure doing this with you, and uh, again, here's to many, many more, and I'm lifting my glass of Ribena because I'm just that hardcore. 
Well, and I'm drinking, what am I drinking? I have water and leftover, whatever is leftover from my pre-workout from this morning from the gym. So cheers to you, Mr. Goodwin. Cheers to all the fantastic friends and family of the Stardom cast. We greatly appreciate all the support. Not only that, this is 100 episodes regular. You add in the litany of stuff we've done for the Patreon. It might be closer to 150. I don't know. We've done a lot of bonus stuff as well. It's over 150, I believe, at the moment on our Patreon. Um, I've just uploaded and scheduled um, our latest alternate commentary, which is Yutami Hayashista and Mayu Utani from Sendai and Cinderella. Um, <laughs> it's 157. We've done 57 Patreon episodes, which is just absolutely baffling that we've managed to uh, crank out that much content. Absolutely baffling. I did just want to briefly, before we kick into what we're going to be talking about today, the opening of the uh, Triangle Derby, obviously uh, stardom representation on the main card at Wrestle Kingdom, and then obviously a whole host of changes to cards, the announcement of the Cinderella, all these things we're going to be talking about today. But first of all, Matt, um, you sent me a text earlier today, and I hope you don't mind. Um, I'm going to share part of it now. And the reason that I'm going to share part of it now is because you won't appreciate... you. Well, you won't have realized the irony of what you sent when you sent it. So obviously you are incredibly dedicated to the gym. You're in incredible shape. Um, and we were talking about something we were doing earlier. And Matt sent me a message. And then at the end, put FYI, on Arms Day, listen to the newest Iron Maiden album, Works Wonders. Now, the reason I'm reading that out is because at that time, I was sitting um, on my bed eating an entire tub of Quality Street. Now, I don't think I've ever felt worse about myself than the thought of Matt absolutely shredding it to the tune of Iron Maiden and me just sitting in a wash in this sea of Quality Street rappers. Um, just, I just honestly, I laughed my head off when you sent me that just because I was like, I've had so much chocolate. I'm so full of chocolate. Yeah, my diet, uh, with me being off, I think, 13, 14 days. And I knew I was going to be taking time off for wrestling for several reasons. One, you know, it was the holidays. I wanted to focus more time on my family, too. I wanted to rest some of these uh, injuries that I've had over the last 20 years of abusing my body. And three, I wanted to put a super hyper focus on the, the podcast. I mean, it's a surprise if nobody outside of my immediate family, my number one priority is this podcast. Hence, 57 Patreon episodes <laughs> in less than a year. Uh, I'm absolutely having a blast doing it. So I really need, I, I, I work out every day. I mean, it's very rare that I miss a day. I worked out on Christmas. I worked New Year's, worked out New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. It's literally, um, it's literally part of my DNA. It's literally part of what I've been doing for a long, long time. It's almost like the same thing. It's like, you know, I brush my teeth every day. I take a shower every day. It's literally, you know, part of my day. The only thing that was really suffering was my diet. And I noticed when I hit like 30, 31, that anytime I had a milkshake, I look at myself in the mirror. I'm like, ooh, you need to do a little more cardio. And now that I'm 40, going to be 41 this year, it's I'm really, you know, trying to trying to get a little more strict on it as uh, I'm actually just took got uh, got uh, two two more bookings for this year. So I'm going to be getting back into the ring really, really soon. So I was like, I had to kind of take that principle. And yeah, we were kind of texting back and forth and. You know, obviously something we'll share with our listeners a little bit later as uh, things are getting moving and moving in a great direction for us here at the Stardom Cast. But I said, yeah, no, no problem, buddy. I'll handle that. Uh, let me just get done with the gym. And that's what I said. By the way, I'm listening to the new, and I've heard the newest Iron Maiden album, Sinjetsu, a handful of times. But for some reason, on Arms Day, which uh, today was for me, uh, buys and tries, it was just hitting me in the right direction. I always try to uh, 
give some advice or anything that's working for me out to anybody that will listen to me. And I just happened to be texting you. So I figured, Hey buddy, by the way, next time you go to the gym and you're blasting some tricep pull downs, uh, you know, maybe listen to the writing on the wall from uh, your countrymen over there at the Iron Maiden. Well, you know, you said that obviously the gym is in your DNA and brother, I feel you because eating quality street is in my DNA. So uh, yeah, feel you mate. Um, Anyway, Enough talk about my enormous gut. Let's talk about the stardom that has been going on. But before we do that, what is coming up on our Patreon this week, Mr. Matt Turner? Rob Goulin, about this time next week, in the next week or so, the Hanan, H-A-N-A-N, uh, <laughs> Future Stardom Championship title reign will be up uh, for the white and red belt tier Patreon listens, I literally, probably about a half an hour before we started recording, I just finished the last match where she, uh, spoilers, drops the belt to Ami. Sorry, we're recording this on a uh, Saturday, and I'll get to, you know, we usually record on a Wednesday or Thursday. We'll get to that in a moment while it's late. But I'm recording this on a Saturday, and I believe I'm going to be recording the uh, Hanan uh, Future Star episode probably on a Monday. So probably in the next seven or eight days, that'll be up on your feed. At the end of the month, for the White and Red Belt tier Patreon members, uh, Starlight Kid High Speed Championship Run, that'll be up on the uh, Patreon as well. And also, um, I uh, was talking to our editor-in-chief, one Mr. Sean, and what we're going to do, and I'm 80% sure we're going to do this. So if it doesn't happen, don't get mad at me, but I'm 80% sure we're gonna, <laughs> this is what we're going to do. For these two, I like to cover my trails. I don't like to get any heat. I like You know me, Rob, i got to be honest. So Absolutely. what we're going to do is for the for these two Patreon episodes, we're going to remove the Mayu Iwatani championship theme, and the intro is going to be the Hanan theme, <laughs> and the intro is going to be the Starlight Kid theme. And when I was talking to Sean about some of kids, this doable, and he said more than likely, yeah, you know, don't tell everybody a hundred percent. I said so about eighty. He said I should be able to do it. And then I thought, man, we should have been doing this all along for the Julia, the EO, the Mayu, but then Sean probably would have wound up quitting on me because I, would, I, I gave him so much work over the last five or six months. I'm probably driving the poor guy mad. So, uh, yeah, that'll be a really cool way to start it. Obviously, we're a huge fan of the Hanan theme. So that'll be, uh, like I said, I think that's a really cool way to kind of kick off these, uh, these episodes with the theme song of the, uh, the wrestler that we're doing the review. So that's uh, what's coming up for the white belt tier. For the uh, red belt tier, uh, Patreon members, you mentioned earlier, uh, me and Rob, just the other day, we did the alternate commentary to Yutami um, Hayashista challenging Mayu Iwatani for the World of Stardom Championship. And uh, man, I had an absolute ball. I mean, you will find very hard pressed that anybody that likes watching wrestling more than me. But when we got on the Discord to record before you hit the record button, you were just absolutely buzzing about how excited you were to uh, to watch this match. And uh, yeah, it was an absolute barn burner. And I watched that match four or five times. And I can honestly say, brother, that was the most fun I had watching that match is doing the alternate commentary with you. So uh, that was an absolute blast. And I'm going to uh, I'm going to call myself out and then put you over here because uh, <laughs> this is kind of funny. Uh, as I'm sure everybody knows, I'm a massive fan of Queen's Quest. <laughs> So, no, you might. No. <laughs> so, yes, yeah. so when uh, so we're doing the you know we hit the record, we're doing the intro, we're ready to do the five, four, three, two, one, and as soon as we hit play, you hear your Tommy Steam go bow down to the queens, and as Rob is getting ready to talk, I like a child interrupt me. Oh, great. What a great way to start the start show is the buy down of the Queens. Now, Rob, who has never done commentary for any match before, except for the, the freebie we did uh, before Christmas with uh, Sherry and Mayu, like a 20-year pro, 
as I'm babbling along about how much I love the Queen's Quest intro, uh, like a 20-year pro stops himself, lets me get it out of his system, lets me get it out of my system, and then continues right on what he's doing. Like, what an absolute pro you are, sir. I, I did get the feeling that if I didn't let you get it out of your system, you'd be giddy for the entire <laughs> match. So, uh, and rightly so, because I was giddy for the majority of it as well. Um, but yeah, I must admit, these, uh, these alternate commentaries that we're doing... Uh, it's some of the most fun I've had doing podcasts. So uh, I do actively encourage you again, all of our fantastic patrons. Thank you so much. We massively appreciate you. If you haven't already checked them out, I do. It's such a laugh. It's such a riot. I do. It's one of the things I enjoy doing most. So if you haven't already, definitely, definitely, definitely go and check that out on our Patreon. Um, uh, in the meantime, however, I did just want to talk about a little bit of news heading into um, heading into the Triangle Derby that we're going to be talking about. Um, unless there's anything, of course, you want to add, Matt. Yeah, real quick. Uh, next week, we're going to be doing for the uh, the alternate commentary. We're going to be doing uh, Azumi is going to be cha- challenged for the high speed championship uh, by Corey Yonoyama. Did I say that right? Nailed it. Oh, you know, a buddy of mine who does like five podcasts a week between comic book and wrestling. He was telling me, if you don't know how to pronounce somebody's name, just say it with confidence. So uh, I think that, I think you should. <laughs> you should. Um, and then we're, and then at the end of the month, we're replacing the EO Shirai versus Mako Satomura match because I didn't know that it wasn't on Stardom World. We're replacing that with uh, Julia defending the World of Stardom Championship against Tam Nakano in the uh, hair versus hair match from the Budokan Hall in 2021. And also, um, we're going to be doing the, uh, we're going to basically, anytime that this show grows, we're going to be giving more and more, like almost like free stuff out. For example, we have the Patreon all booked up until uh, May. Uh, Next month is Rivalry Month. March is Momo uh, Momo Watanabe Madness Month. And then April is Insane April, our Insane, uh, yeah, Insane April Part 2 Electric Boogaloo. So if you folks (laughs) want, uh, if you guys folks want some bonus stuff, here's what's going to happen. If we can get the Patreon up to 50 subscribers, I think we're just a shade below 40 right now. If you can get the Patreon up to 50 subscribers, doesn't matter what tier it is, Robert and I, we're gonna, we'll do a bonus episode of Sherry defending the World of Stardom Championship against Julia from just about two weeks ago at uh, Dream Queendom. Um, obviously, one of the best matches I've ever seen in my entire life. And then I will also be doing the Sherry World of Stardom, uh, the V10 run. So um, that'll just be a bonus episode for every, every any level of the... Uh, of the Patreon. So, um, and, and as, as it continues to grow, Rob and myself will be doing alternate commentary on just random matches. So as, if this gets to 55, 60, if we see more downloads, if we see more stuff going on social media, Rob and I are just going to be just littering the show, but more and more bonus content. So it's basically help us help you uh, help us. So anytime that this show just continues to grow on any platform, Rob and I will just be doing more and more stuff, giving more and more free content out as uh, as great as 2022 was. And it was a great year for us on the podcast. We know that 2023 is going to be even bigger for us. So just 
you know, help up make help uh, help us make it bigger and better. And uh, mean because me and Rob just really need an excuse to do more commentary to these fantastic matches because four months just isn't enough for us. <laughs> Absolutely, and again, I cannot believe just how much I enjoy them. Um, but actually, Matt, you've managed to help me segue quite well there because obviously you've been talking about everything we're going to be throwing onto the Patreon. I am just going to announce, obviously, our bracketology episode for the Cinderella tournament, the return of the bracketology, otherwise known as Rob gets predictions hilariously wrong um uh, that is going to be returning as well now off the top of my head i think we released the bracketology episode on the patreon and i think we released our preview of the tournament on the free feed if that's the case that'll be what is happening again this year but we'll do it for the one dollar patrons all the way up as well so if you want to hear and follow along with mine and matt's brackets for the tournament then uh, you can check it out from the $1 all the way through to the $5 as well. Um, uh, speaking of the Cinderella, see, tran- those segues, fantastic. Um, during the Triangle Derby pay-per-view, it was announced that the 2023 Cinderella tournament will begin on March the 26th, with the opening round taking place at Yokohama Budokan. Um, we then got the second round and quarterfinals taking place on the 1st and the 2nd of April on back-to-back nights. And then the final will be taking place on the 15th of April from the Yoyogi National Stadium, which, Matt, is eight days before Stardom All-Star Grand Queendom. So I think we can assume uh, safely that the winner of that tournament will be making their challenge in the Yokohama Arena. Um, Now, I'm going to ask you, Matt, who your early prediction is. And I know we talked a little bit about this with Karen, um, but I want to see if things have changed. Um, uh, I'm intrigued to know who your early prediction is for the Cinderella tournament. So I've got mine locked in. I'm going to say mine first because I know some people will be like, oh, you're just copying if we do the same thing. Uh, we haven't talked about this previously, have we? We haven't texted or anything, just just so that people know. Um, but my winner of the Cinderella, and I imagine quite a popular choice, is Mina Shirakawa. What about you? Mina Shirakawa would be my uh, runner-up. Um, I'm going to say Hazuki. I think that I think right about now is the time we talked about Hazuki. I believe she was both of our MVPs in the uh, in the five star Grand Prix. She was. She had a really. She had a, and then we she can't we we haven't been talking about her as much just because of just the booking what's been going on with the tag division and then uh, the kind of the booking going on with Dream Queendom even though the show was a slam a slam dunk and then obviously a lot of our focus the last two weeks was just on that massive uh, World of Stardom Championship match so it seems like the last two or three months we haven't been putting Hazuki over as much as uh, as really as we should and that's just kind of so much stuff is going on with stardom so i think mina shirakawa is a safe uh prediction especially with her kind of creating her own faction with club venus it would really give her a shot in the arm especially if she's going to be going for the world of stardom championship which we did see that mina did come out when saya kamatani was issuing uh challengers after her successful title defense against you misaki at uh, dream queendom so I think that's a really, really good pick. I really thought you were going to say either Starlight Kid or you're copy and paste every year, Azumi, which those are good <laughs> picks as well. Uh, but I'm going to say my early pick, no lock-in, no lock-in until we get the brackets, is going to say uh, Hazuki. And if you do remember, if you've been listening to this podcast from last year, one, we thank you. But if you remember when we did our, uh, our bracketology last year, it was me, you, and uh, my wife, Amber. She even gave our bracketology. And that was an absolute mess in the best way possible. 
So uh, we might be, we might be, it might be the same way this year. And maybe me and Rob will get a little bit drunk when we do the bracketology. I think that's a great shout. I mean, I don't need much of an invitation anyway, but uh, doing that, I might even get Kirsty just to fill one out just for laughs. Um, Because she she doesn't even know who any of these wrestlers are. So it might be fun just to see uh, what she comes up with and how, because I guarantee she'll get more right than me. And I guarantee this is your year that Azumi will win it. This will be the year where I've gone, no, she's definitely not winning. She's not winning. And she'll win it and she'll beat Mina Shirakawa in the final. Knowing our luck, it'll be Hazuki and Mina Shirakawa getting knocked out in the first round. But I digress. Obviously, that is all coming up on the Patreon. And then obviously, we'll preview the tournament once the brackets are announced. And uh, obviously, we'll be having coverage on the free feed all the way through to the final on the 15th of April, just two days after I turn 33. Um, another couple of bits of news. Um, the official Twitter account, at least I believe it to be the official Twitter account, it was retweeted and translated by the wonderful Karen Pearson. Um, for the Hanakamura Memorial Show, um, has tweeted out that May twenty third. Please keep it free and wait for more details. So obviously, um, in twenty twenty one we had matinee. Um, in 2022, we had Vargas, and it looks like we are going to have another installment of the Hanukkah Memorial Show. So that is something to keep your eyes open for for more details. Um, that's all that I can find in terms of that. Once the announcements are made, we will keep you informed. Um, and then finally, some unfortunate news coming out of stardom. Um, uh, the announced cards for the 8th and 9th of January, the 8th of which um, had that much-anticipated rematch between Azumi and Starlight Kid for the High Speed Championship, um, they've had to be changed um, due to the poor physical condition of Himika, Starlight Kid, and Momo Watanabe. And obviously, with it being right in the midst of this triangle derby it's thrown a lot of those matches into flux and obviously starlight kid will not be competing for the uh, high speed championship which azumi has gone from potentially main eventing that show to being in the pre-show rumble so it's it's quite the fall for her but um i'm sure uh, i'm sure we'll be seeing this starlight kid and azumi match sooner rather than later in fact I wouldn't be if Starlight Kid doesn't win the Cinderella. It wouldn't surprise me if this show on the twenty third of April at the Yokohama Arena. What better way to open that card than with a ten eleven minute Azumi and Starlight Kid match for the high speed title? What a way to kick off that show! And I think if you are looking to do good numbers in the Yokohama Arena, you need to put on your best card. And I think if you're looking at putting the best of the high speed division in there you're looking at Azumi versus Starlight Kid. So it's obviously incredibly bad news and incredibly poor timing. And obviously we hope nothing but speedy recovery for Starlight Kid, Himika and Momo. Um, but this could be a blessing in disguise for, Scar- for Starlight, who uh, might be in a high-profile title match come that big show. Um, is there anything else, Matt, you'd like to talk about before we talk about the two big shows we're going to be talking about? No, I kind of agree with you. It could be a blessing in disguise. A poor physical condition, Rob, usually means COVID. Usually, I mean, I noticed that in last year or so. Um, hopefully, it's just a mild case of it and something that uh, hopefully they will burn through. Have you heard anything else or is it just the poor physical condition? Nothing at all. Um, obviously, I believe the next set of shows are the 14th and the 15th of January, the continuation for um, the 
Triangle Derby and nothing's been announced in regard to those not being on the show. I think if it was an injury, they'd have had a far a, a bigger block of dates. But with it just being the two dates, it sounds like COVID, but obviously that's that's not confirmed. That is that is me and Matt speculating, putting two and two together and coming up with 18. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the math we do over here in the States. But uh, yeah, so uh, real quick before we jump into it, I did say at the beginning of the show, um, I just want to let everybody know why the show is uh, late. We're, we're very big on scheduling. Um, we're very big on having the show out. Friday morning, uh, I had a whole bunch of people uh, tweet me and uh, message me, how come the show's not out? Um, usually we record Wednesday, Thursday to have it up on Friday. We're recording on a Saturday. The reason is, is because the uh, website that Stardom uses for their pay-per-views was down for the Triangle Derby. Uh, so it didn't go up until like two or three days later. So that's why the show is up late. So one, I just want to offer my apologies to uh, everyone that was looking forward to it uh, on Friday. But uh, you get a little, uh, you know, uh, late week treat from us, so uh, that I just want to let everybody know that's why it's up late. We weren't we 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 weren't uh, slacking off. It was just the the website was down, so there's nothing that we can do. No, it was it was very weird um, because nothing was announced on the English Twitter initially, and then it was announced that well, um, the site's down is going to be up the next day, and it wasn't. So it was it was all very uh, all very strange. But even so, the it's now up on Stardom World anyway, so you can check it out there. Um, and yeah, I think it was a decent show, um, which we'll be talking about in a moment, but I feel like we'd be remiss if we started with that when Wrestle Kingdom 17 is now in the books, and on that card, we had some stardom representation. Before we dive into the Kyrie and Tam Nakano match, um, and I know this is a stardom podcast, but I do just want to briefly, you know, briefly talk about Wrestle Kingdom in uh, sort of an overview because it did contain perhaps one of the greatest matches I've ever seen in Will Ospreay versus Kenny Omega. Um, the only match I've, I've somehow still managed not to see the main event. Um, I've seen the pre-show and seen everything else leading up to it. I just haven't seen the, uh, I just haven't seen the main event, but. I and thought, you're the biggest Jay White fan in the world, too. I figured that would have been the first matches you went to. <laughs> I was so emotionally spent after that Omega and Osprey match that I was like, I just I need to go to bed. And then <laughs> up until I bought, obviously, I've had the Triangle Derby to watch. And uh, I was saying to you before we came on air, about a, I was watching a couple of matches in preparation for the Building Blocks book. So uh, just, I just haven't got around to it. I'm going to try and watch it tonight just, to, just for the completionist in me. Um, but... Back to a one-night card for Wrestle Kingdom. We'll get into a little bit more detail uh, in regards to the IWGP women's match in a minute. But other than that, what did you think of the show overall, Matt? Absolutely loved it. I thought it was great. Um, I got up at 1 o'clock because the uh, the pre-show started at one twenty. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, because I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment. Uh, yeah, there's been times where I get up for these New Japan shows, and sometimes I'll kind of maybe just doze off, or there's a match like I don't really care about that. I'll set the timer on my phone for like ten minutes just to snooze, and uh, none of that happened uh, at all. I thought the show was really, really good. Obviously, we will get into when you were ready to say set fire. We will get into the most negative I will ever be on this show. <laughs> but overall, from start to finish, from the junior tag match. All the way up into the main event, I thought the show was great. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom literally is my second favorite day of the year uh, behind Christmas. Um, if my wife was listening to this podcast, which I know she doesn't, I would say it's either her birthday or anniversary. Uh, if my wife is listening to this podcast, hi, honey. Thank you for dinner last night. It was fantastic. Don't forget to uh, support the podcast by subscribing <laughs> to the Patreon for a little as a dollar a month. Um <laughs> 
I had to pop everybody there. But no, overall, I thought it was an absolutely fantastic show. And just uh, another, I know I really, over the last two years, New Japan's really struggled just between getting newer talent over and just getting old people back and forth from overseas because of, uh, of the pandemic. So I thought this was a really, really good show to ring in what I think will be a fantastic 2023 for them. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it, it very little filler on this show. I think that's something that was um, evident from the two nights shows from 2020 in Wrestle Kingdom 14, 15, and then 16. There's been quite a lot of filler in order to pad out the nights, um, whereas it didn't it didn't feel like that at all. From the moment Catch-22 and Leo Rush and Yo took the stage, I thought they did a fantastic job in opening the show. It was like the Wrestle Kingdoms of old. You know, you start with the junior tag matches. It reminded me of, you know, all the ones between the Young Bucks and um, Red Dragon and Time Splitters and Rapongi Vice and all those. Um, it was very red, um, reminiscent of that. Um, and then I thought Bishamon and FTR, especially as apparently Cash Wheeler didn't arrive in the country, uh, didn't arrive at the venue till half an hour before the main card started, um, which I thought was just utterly insane. Um, the fact that they were able to put on the match that they did, I thought was fantastic. The junior four-way was obviously fantastic. And uh, I'll let you know what I thought about the main event. Um, but we're obviously a starting podcast, so let's kick into match two, um, which was the first ever title defense of the IWGP Women's Championship with Kyrie getting her first title defense over Tam Nakano with the insane elbow in five minutes and 47 seconds. Now, Matt, before I wind you up and let you go, um, like one of those small toys. <laughs> um, I love it. The the huge elephant in the room um, is... Uh, is what you are going to talk about, Matt. But I do just want to praise what Kyrie and Tam were able to do with the time that they were given. I thought they did a fantastic job. Obviously, we're going to talk about the big thing coming out of this match um, straight afterwards. And I imagine that's probably why it was cut for time. But Matt, go for it. Go and be your negative self, my man. If, if you need to interrupt me at any point, by all means, please cut me off. But I'm going to do, folks, what we call in management, the compliment sandwich. You give a compliment in the beginning, you give a compliment at the end, because I have to end it on a positive note. And there is a lot of positive things coming out of this match. But then I'm going to get to the meat of the problem. And I think a lot of people are going to agree with me, and I think you know what I'm going to go with. I'm going to start out by saying I've been watching New Japan almost religiously since 1996 uh, through tape trading. Yes, not DVD, tape trading, because that's how old I am. I have uh, I have watched every Wrestle Kingdom, um, every match from Wrestle Kingdom I've seen. I've watched every Wrestle Kingdom live as it happened since Wrestle Kingdom 9. Um, like I said, it's literally my second favorite holiday. It's literally a holiday. It's like Merry Wrestle Kingdom. It's literally my second fav- favorite day of the year, like I mentioned before. Um so I obviously am a huge, huge fan of New Japan and Wrestle Kingdom and all things at the Tokyo Dome. With that being said, the fact that Stardom, who was a more profitable company the last 12 months than New Japan was, if you don't believe me, look it up. The fact that even if you if you go to take the legendary Cork and Hall, Rob, and if you were to take a look at the G1, which is the New Japan's G1, and you take a look at how much New Japan drew at Corican Hall at la- uh, and at last year's G1 compared to the five star that Stardom drew. Stardom outdrew them by about a hundred per show. Nowhere to lie. 
So you have that. So you take that into consideration. Take that into consideration that this historic crossover show was, I think, the second most attended New Japan show behind Wrestle Kingdom for 2022. What was the thing different? What was the thing on the main event? Stardom. Kyrie and Mayu. They did a great job building up this IWGP championship. Phenomenal final. No one will disagree with me there between Mayu and Kyrie. And then you go into Wrestle Kingdom. You go into the show. And the way that I see it, and if I'm wrong, buddy, please let me know. The way that I'm looking at this, obviously, I focus more on stardom. One, the podcast. Two, I enjoy stardom more than any wrestling company in the world. Um, but the way that I see it, when they were building these matches up, the most, the matchup that was built up the most was Okada versus Jay White. Uh, obviously, it's your main event. And right below there was Omega versus Osprey, just because of this, the sheer just fantastic match that we knew it was going to be. And it sure was. But out of these 48 matches that were on this one single show, the number three match to me that was built up was Kyrie versus Tam. Would I be somewhat correct in that statement? Yes. Um, I'm going to let you go because I'll uh, I'll okay. stick in my, uh, my two pence as it was <laughs> right at the end. Okay. okay. So this match, so... You have the great entrances. Um, you text me as when you were watching how great the entrance from Kyrie was. Sean watched it about an hour or two later. He texted me about how great the entrance Tam was. The match is getting going. And I realized Kyrie hits that interceptor spear that she uses, uses on her comeback like two and a half minutes in. I was like, hmm, that's kind of odd. And then Tam hits the violent screwdriver, her nuclear finish about three and a half minutes in. Don't get me wrong, got a huge pop huge pop one of the biggest pops the whole entire show and then i kind of realized i'm like they're not going that long you've literally built this match up and built this title match up and literally a free commercial for stardom you're more profitable bushi road's more profitable company between between stardom and new japan and you're giving this match as kairu hits the the two cutlasses back to back and she's going to the top rope for the insane elbow i'm like this is the finish and you hear the announcer saying five minutes in, five minutes in. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, Kyrie hits the insane elbow. And I already started writing down on my notes. I graded this on a curve. I gave this four stars. I thought it was fantastic. But as soon as I wrote four stars, this match is too short. I stood up and it's probably 2.30 in the morning in my house. And I took my pen and I spiked it like a football, like, a, like an American football when somebody scores a touchdown. I was fuming to the point where i didn't see much of the ftr match because that was the next match i love ftr big fan of yoshihashi huge fan of hiroki goto i literally did not pay attention to any of it because i was fuming i think i picked up the phone pretty quick right away knowing that you were probably on your way to work and just kind of giving you a heads up like hey buddy um just want to let you know this match uh they didn't give it the time they should now if somebody told me that this match wasn't going to be as good as I would have imagined. My first thought would have been, did they not gel? Did Tam and Kyrie not gel? No, Matt, that's not the problem. They only gave it a little over five minutes. Now, my second thought would have been that somebody must have got hurt. Oh, that's the worst thing that could have happened in matches. Somebody gets hurt. And then he said, no, Matt, nobody got hurt. So this, the reason why this match isn't being talked about is nowhere near as much as it should it's not the fault of Kyrie. It's not the fault of Tam. Their 347 seconds that they had in the ring, they did not waste a single second. Kudos to them. They took their assignment, and they hit an absolute home run. And again, I also talk about the entrances. Not only was the match great bell-to-bell from what they had, their entrances were fantastic. You had that great ramp that they had uh, for the one of the best entrance ramps I've ever seen in the, the 17 shows uh, for Wrestle Kingdom at the Tokyo Dome. 
Tam, absolutely. She, you know, she knows where the camera is. She does fantastic. Kyrie's entrances since she's been back, doesn't matter where it's at, have been fantastic. So they maximize every minute, not only in the ring, but out of the ring as well. Um, so kudos to them. So I will, you know, kind of shake my head at what just everybody's saying. Why did you give this match less than six minutes? It's one of the most built up matches on your show. And I think you even, when me and you were texting back and forth, when I didn't give you any spoilers and you said, well, maybe it's because of it's only a one night wrestle kingdom. Like I understand that, but one, you're not on regular pay-per-view you're on new Japan world. So you're on your own time and not for nothing. They could have cut a minute off the main event. They could have cut 30 seconds off the Osprey Omega match. They could have cut two minutes. I thought the junior match, uh, four match was good. and maybe went on two or three minutes uh, too long. You literally could have taken 15 to 20 seconds off each and every match. And, and I'm not saying going 15, 20 minutes. Would I have loved to see Tam and Kyrie go 15, 20 minutes? Absolutely. But the, the fact that this match didn't get 10 or 11 minutes is beyond me. It's absolute beyond me. I don't understand it. There was a lot of people that were tuning into this knowing that, hey, I heard this, you know, I'm a huge New Japan fan. Um, I'm a huge fan of AEW and we're going to see Omega Osprey, which is an absolute dream match, which again, which absolutely delivered. But you literally had people saying, this time stuff, I'm going to check it out. You know, I, especially over here in the States. Hey, I know Kyrie, huge fan of Kyrie Sane and NXT and WWE. And, uh, you know, Tam comes out and she, she, you know, just looks absolutely striking new gear. You look fantastic. I still don't understand the whole thing with the spear. Obviously I'm the biggest Tam McConnell fan in the world. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. And even I think, and I, even I think that when she went up to the top rope to do her thing, where she points at the camera. And I think that she's just pointing at me regardless. I think the top of the spear fell off. I really, really do. I think she covered it. I think she she covered it with some of her outfit. I thought that was pretty funny. But um, yeah, uh, again, I'm going to be hopefully the most negative ever on this podcast and the year by saying New Japan Bushi Road really dropped the ball by not giving these two ladies at least 10 minutes because these two ladies have worked their ass off. Not only this ent- their entire year, but their entire careers to get to this spot. Obviously, this is the biggest match in Tam's career. Kyrie, who's worked on the bigger stages in WWE, she did work at WrestleMania, but it was the COVID WrestleMania where there was nobody there. So this is probably the most that the two of them have ever wrestled in front of crowds before on a huge stage. It's the first defense, too. It's the first defense of this belt that you just had one of the matches of the year in the main event in the Ariaka Arena with Kyrie and Mayu. And this is your first defense and you kind of dropped the ball, but by no means did Tam and Kyrie drop the ball. Again, I'm going to end this on a positive. Tam and Kyrie, they maximize, again, every minute, not every minute, every second in the ring and every second they had when they went. It's one thing to be great bell to bell. It's another thing to be great curtain to curtain. And those two ladies killed it from the moment they walked out to the moment they left. And the, the mercedes Monet sasha Banks thing I thought was great. We knew it was coming. Um, I know the move got a little messed up. I think that might have to do with uh, the heels that Sasha was wearing. And that just goes to show you, if you remember when Kyrie came back and she did that little segment to, in Cork and Hall to set up her match with Starlight Kid back in the spring of last year, when she went to go do the uh, cutlass and Starlight Kid moved away, Kyrie was in almost like those same heels and she kind of glided. So that just goes to show you, I think the reason why that move got messed up is because Sasha, Mercedes, whatever you want to call her, was in those giant heels but Kyrie was able to pull it off with that spinning back fist and almost like moonwalked her way back, which just goes to show you how great she is. So I'll end it on a positive. Again, those two ladies absolutely crushed it. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with Mercedes Monet, uh, you know, from here on forward. Um, uh, I am just going to take a moment to appreciate that that might be the most, the most condensed 
like negativity I've had from you like ever. A hundred episodes in, and that might be the most negative you've ever been. Um, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think the social media um, sort of buzz was all about the fact that this match went five minutes and 47 seconds. By, by the way, kudos, Matt, um, because I was trying to work out how many seconds it was when she said 347. I was like, is that how many seconds it is? So, uh, yeah, kudos. Well done. Because um, that took me bloody ages to work out while you were talking. Um, overall, and unfortunately, I think this is probably the way New Japan have seen it. This match was little more than a vehicle to get to the Sasha Banks stuff. Um, which isn't fair on... Tam, it's certainly not fair on Kyrie, but it's made all the more laughable when you realise that even though Stardom's titles have a 30-minute time limit, this is an IWGP title and it has a 60-minute time limit, which means it didn't it ju- went just over a twelfth of its time limit. And when you consider that the only match on the card that went less time was on the pre-show and was a match that was explicitly only given a three-minute time limit, it's a little bit insulting. The fact that it's your brand new belt, an IWGP women's division, is something that's been talked about in in New Japan fandom for years and years and years and years and years. It's been rumored for years, um, and then to sort of have have it second on the card, and then uh, to have it go less than six minutes, it it was a little bit of a baffling decision. Now, the only thing that I can think in terms of the time limit, is because the mercedes Monet stuff, which, I mean, the de- as debuts go, I mean, what an impact. Like, the way she looked, the music, just outrageous costume. Her hair looked incredible, by the way. I don't know how you do stuff like that, but Jesus Christ, what a hairdo. Um, but the, <laughs> the fact that the heels were outrageous, you're absolutely spot on, but the fact that that took so long probably et into their match time. But again the way I feel that this match was seen, especially as it was the first defense. So no one, even the biggest Tam Nakano fan out there thought that she was winning this title. Yeah, exactly. Even you didn't think Tam was walking away from Wrestle Kingdom as the champion, Um, uh, which is a shame. And I'll, uh, I'll echo what I said before. I do think people saw this as a little more of a, oh, it's an exhibition match. And, Look, here's Mercedes Monet, which is a shame. Um, on the positive side, again, I thought, you know, they had a very short amount of time to hit as many beats as they possibly could. And I thought both women did a tremendous job. Both women looked incredible. Um, Tam's entrance was fantastic. Kyrie's was other le- was next level. And that's despite the fact that she broke her, like, what what are they called? The yeah. wheels? Um <laughs> So uh, I thought, even despite that, her uh, her entire entrance just worked so well in the big setting. Um, I thought the commentary team did a fantastic job of putting over both Kyrie and Tam. Obviously, Chris Charlton went out of his way to say that the match between Kyrie and Mayu at Historic Crossover was one of his favourite matches of 2022, which is high praise indeed when you consider the matches that he's watched. Um, but the big spectacle around this belt will be the match at Battle in the Valley. Um, because, of course, it was announced that Mercedes Monet, uh, Sasha Banks, whatever you want to call her, um, she is going to be challenging Kyrie for the IWGP Women's Championship on the 18th of uh, February at Battle in the Valley from the San Jose Civic Center. Um, uh, a couple of interesting thoughts. Um, uh, 
if you want to watch this, it's not going to be on New Japan World um, or it's a pay-per-view through New Japan World. Um, and you can watch it uh, through Fight TV as well if you want to watch it through there. Um, I'm going to be really intrigued to see what they do here because Mercedes Monet might be the hottest free agent in wrestling right now. I don't even think it's a might. She is the hottest free agent in wrestling right now. And the fact that she was able to create the buzz she did, and we are in an increasingly smarky time in terms of wrestling fans, and you make a botch like that on the stage that it's on, and you're going to get crucified online. I didn't see a single person mention that botch. And that, I think, is kudos to just how much star power Mercedes Monet bought over. Um, again, it's going to be a great match. I'm going to be really, really intrigued to see how they get out of this. Because if they go to a time limit draw, we're talking an hour. I can't yeah. see them giving it an hour. I'd love it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, bloody hell, Kyrie and Sasha Banks it for an hour time limit draw. Um, you know, plug it into my veins. But I I don't see that happening. So do you have Mercedes Monet, the hottest free agent in wrestling? Do you have her lose in her first match back? But also, do you have Kyrie drop the belt to Mercedes Monet after one sort of surface level title defense? It's very, very, very intriguing. Um, uh, I'll be I'm I'm interested to know what you think. I have no clue. Uh, if you're telling, obviously we'll we'll do our preview. Uh, the show is about about six weeks out, give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll we'll give our predictions in, in you know a month's time. But if you're asking me right now, I think Sasha takes the belt again. I'm not setting this in stone. Sasha takes the belt and she drops it to Mayu at the Budokan Hall show. And you do Kyrie versus Sayakamatani for the white belt at that show. You want to talk about star power? Your biggest car, your biggest stars. That's where I'm thinking again, I can be. I know just about 20 minutes ago, we're like, yeah, whoever wins the Cinderella tournament is going to mm-hmm. wrestle Sayakamatani at this show. So there's eight or nine different avenues they can go down, and 90% of them will be the right call. I mean, there's 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 so many different things they can do. Um, we talk about nobody really mentioned anything. Sasha's little, and I don't like the word botch. I, I really don't. Uh, a little mistake that she made uh, with the move. Did you uh, see her uh, mistake that she made uh, at the press conference afterwards? No, but I did want to talk, obviously, about um, who she, not necessarily called out, but who she name-dropped um in the press conference but no i I don't know what she said in regards to the uh no that's that's exactly what it is so go ahead sir you go and said about the two people she called out oh there was two i didn't know there was two i only know about one well obviously okay go ahead and say it because you're you obviously read the transcript and didn't see the actual interview so you go ahead and say it and i'll tell you how it was said no oh no did she mispronounce azumi's name she pronounced azumi's name are you are you sitting down, sir? Go on. She goes, I really like A Z M. It's funny you should mention that because when I fit in the very first episode, episode one of the Stardom cast, which is apparently, by the way, just FYI, the third most played episode. Um <coughs> I didn't realize that it was a zoomy because there's no commentary. So I pronounced it A Z M as well. And Chris had to go. Whoa. It's it's pronounced Azumi, Rob. Don't be an idiot. It's it's Azumi. But yeah, bless her. I don't know. I read the transcript of, of that bit, but I didn't even know she called out two people. Who was the other person she called out? 
And then she goes, I really like Miyu. Now, uh, Miyu um, from over at Tokyo Joshi Pro, they have, they have posted ah. pictures from a few years ago, the two of them together. So a lot of people thought that's what she meant. And even Karen Peterson, I was talking to her during the show. She said, you know, if you're getting roughly, we don't know, speculation, supposedly she's getting 100 grand per shot. She goes, if you're getting 100 grand from Bushi Road, you really shouldn't mention anybody from uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro. But when I went back and watched, I honestly think that um, she meant to say Mayu. Because that's obviously the dream match. That's the match she's been talking about for the better part of two or three years that she's been quoted in Sports Illustrated saying. So considering the fact that she mispronounced Azumi's name and then she mentioned Miyu. Not like she meant Miyu Amasaki. That could be it. But I honestly think that she meant to say Mayu. Well, I saw that Mina Shirakawa after the show had posted a load of pictures of those two together from a few years back. So did she perhaps mean Mina? Ooh, Mr. Rob Goodwin, look at you, buddy. Look at you. Even though you didn't even see the uh, the, the, the press conference, within about 30 seconds, you're the smartest man in the room. You should write books. You should write books. You should write books, sir. You should write books. That's a good possibility. Maybe. Um, uh, and again, it's worth noting as well that this is not a stardom title. Um, and it it was very apparent to me, actually, that technically a stardom wrestler doesn't even have to be part of these matches. It's not an exclusive new um, stardom title. It's a New Japan title. And Mercedes Monet is not employed by stardom. She's employed by New Japan. And the more I've thought about it, and obviously while you were talking then, Matt, it does make more sense for Mercedes Monet to take the belt because you think about the exposure, as great as the exposure that Kyrie is going to bring, because Kyrie is probably in stardom at the moment. She's the most well-known. However, Mercedes Monet, Sasha Banks, whatever, she is another level. You want to bring exposure to New Japan. You want to bring exposure to the IWGP women's belt. You want to build exposure to stardom. You put the belt on Mercedes Monet. You have a defend it on, you know, you have a go to Tokyo Joshi Pro. I mean, I know she's employed by Bushiro, so that isn't going to happen. But you have her battle, you know, people all the way through the US and all the way through Japan raising the exposure of this and apparently making a pretty penny at the uh, at the same time. Um, it's ironic that our analysis of this match has lasted about four times longer than the match <laughs> itself. <laughs> <laughs> that's true she did on all of her on all of her social media platforms uh literally minutes after this app maybe an hour she did a uh, hashtag uh, njpw and hashtag stardom which made stardom trend worldwide obviously she's got like something like three million uh followers on each of her social media platforms something like that uh, give or take so it's probably like four or five times as much as Kyrie, who's probably the most followed stardom wrestler um, I know she's a freelance, technically a freelancer, but you get what I'm saying. Um, you know, then Kyrie. So, yeah, now that you bring that point up, she did make mention too in the press conference that this is the Mercedes Monet World Tour. That Japan is just her first stop. That she did, she has made mention that she uh, wants to raise the uh, the dollar value of the yen, which is obviously the currency in Japan, and the peso, which is the current the currency in Mexico. And we know that Mercedes Monet, Sasha Banks, is a giant Eddie Guerrero fan, as we all. I mean, but uh, to the point where she even copied Eddie Guerrero's gear for the one WrestleMania and Eddie Guerrero really made his name over in, in Japan for New Japan and uh, AAA as well in Mexico. So I think that's where she's going with that. Um, so, yeah, that's a possibility where she can take this belt and maybe defend it, you know, somewhere in Mexico and defend it all over Japan. And we see that there's a lot more New Japan shows coming to the States on April. They announced 
uh, show in Virginia and a show in uh, Philadelphia at the uh, former ECW arena, the 2300 arena. So I wouldn't be shocked uh, if um, you see an IWGP uh, women's championship match there and uh, Mercedes Monet, Sasha Banks is defending their, the belt there as well. So yeah, the possibilities are endless, but this is a really good time to be a fan of not only professional wrestling, uh, women's wrestling, Josie wrestling, uh, stardom uh, in particular. And it's a really good time to be a fan of the stardom cast as well. Absolutely. Point that out there. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so Matt's wife, if you are listening, patreon.com <laughs> forward slash stardom cast. Um, yeah. And obviously, you know, there are huge rumors that Mercedes Monet is eventually going to turn up in uh, AEW as well. So the idea of her defending the IWGP Women's Championship in AEW and then perhaps porting over the likes of Mayu Iwatani to have a match on, you know, a main event of a Dynamite or even, you know, a good 15 minutes on, you know, a full gear or a double or nothing. The the possibilities are limitless. Now, we are discussing this as though it is absolutely written in stone that Mercedes Monet is taking the belt. We don't, we know absolutely nothing, um, just in general, but we especially don't know anything about this. I was going to say that. <laughs> you didn't do the fun to me. You're damn right, buddy. Um, so the chances are, again, you know, if I was forced with a gun to my head, to pick a winner, I'd say it has to be Mercedes Monet without damaging her immeasurably. Um, but again, whatever the whatever that is, whatever happens, it's it's going to be an excellent match, and hopefully the buzz is going to be uh, is going to be incredible. But Matt, let's start talking about the fourth uh, round robin tournament. Sorry, fourth round robin tournament, fourth tournament in stardom's calendar year it is the first the inaugural triangle derby uh from tuesday the 3rd of january actually the day before wrestle kingdom from the yokohama budokan in yokohama kanagawa um in front of a covid sellout of 1605 people so to put that in comparison um stardom has run before this show has run the yokohama budokan five times um uh, they've never reached 1600 this is the biggest um attendance they've pulled at the venue um just a couple of comparisons um in the five star on t- of 2021 the opening two nights were at the Yokohama Budokan and t- together they don't reach 1605 night one got 707 night two got 764 um they ran two pay-per-views at the venue in 2021, uh, Yokohama Dream Cinderella in the spring, which got 1,029 people, and Yokohama Dream Cinderella in the summer, which got 1,135. Um, uh, they've run the venue once this year, prior to uh, the... Uh, sorry, once in 2020. I keep thinking we're in 2022. Um, in the five-star, and that drew 1,324. So a significant rise in terms of attendance for the show. And ultimately, you've got to think that's not only huge for stardom to be selling out the Yokohama Budokan, whether it's a COVID sellout or not. Ultimately, you look at the card that we're looking at, and it is just six-woman tags aside from that opener that was on the pre-show. So to do a COVID sellout of this venue when we've just got seven six-woman tags... That's quite impressive, Matt. 
you said I'm just I'm just noting this, Rob. 1605 was the was the paid attendance. 1605 is the reported attendance. Yes. Wow. I mean, because I was looking at it, it was lit up halfway decent towards the back end. You could see there was a lot of people there. The fact that there was no title matches on the show, and I was going to make the joke early, I'll make it now. Um, if there was one Stardom pay per view in the year and a half I've been buying the Stardom pay per views that I was going to get late because of the website being down. I'm glad it was this one because it was, I'm glad it wasn't anything in the five star. I'm not going to put this down. I'm going to be positive and put it over. Uh, this was a good show. The other stardom shows, the other stardom pay-per-views of the last two years were better. Uh, we're, we're better, much better because it's stardom's great. Like if this was gold rush or dream queen or any one of those five star shows, I would have cried like a little girl that skinned their knee on the playground in the third grade uh, waiting for this show. Um, uh, again, I thought the show was great. Uh, was it worth my money? I think I paid the same amount of money for King of the Ring 1995 uh, when that <laughs> happened. So, and the show was significantly better. But the fact, the fact that, yeah, that was my first pay per view that I bought with my paper out money when I was 12 years old. So, what does that tell you? Uh, <laughs> Poor bloke, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. We, we didn't we didn't start with a good one. Um, but the, the fact that did they did. 16 1605 people with just a seven uh six woman tags i mean i think a lot of it, some of it has to do with piggybacking on wrestle kingdom being the next day you have mm-hmm. extra people in town that helps but at the same time that just goes to show you the star power pun intended of all these wrestlers in stardom and wow kudos to them that's fantastic yeah, you mentioned about people um, obviously having flown in for Wrestle Kingdom and obviously piggybacking onto as many shows as they possibly could. I know um friend of the show, Valkage, has been out there. So hi, Valkage, if you're listening. Hope you've had a lovely, lovely time. He was also able to tell us uh, what happened at Dream Queendom in terms of that ridiculous chair spot for him in the Prominence and uh, Weretai, um match. Apparently, obviously, we assumed that we just missed the spot. Apparently, I think he said it was Momo, just touched it. And the entire structure just fell down and they didn't have enough time to do it again. So we missed it, but nothing happened. So thank you to our man on the inside, Valkic. Thanks, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We did have a pre-show match. Uh, That was a three-way match with Rina defeating Hina and Miyu Amasaki with the jackknife pin in six minutes and 21 seconds. This was fine, Matt. Um, it was given more time than the IWGP Women's Championship match at Wrestle Kingdom the next day, so take for that what you will. Um, but overall, it was it was fine. Nothing spectacular, but it was solid enough. Yeah, I'm all about Rena getting wins. You know, I mentioned on this podcast, I think about two weeks ago, that um, you know, between the three sisters, uh, Hana, Hina, and Rena, obviously Hana is, especially with me going through this future stardom run, I think Hana's going to have a big, big uh, 2023. But I wouldn't be shocked in the next seven or eight months that we see Rena really, really moving up the card. There's just something about her that's looking ready to break out. And I think it's just a matter of time that's going to break out. It doesn't uh, hurt that she's literally in the uh, in the ring on a, you know, on a, on a weekly basis with some of the best wrestlers in the world as well. Yeah, I mean, she's, yeah, she's in a faction with the likes of Starlight Kid, Momo Watanabe, Saki Kashima. So, you know, she's only going to improve. And obviously, this is nothing to, this is nothing against Hina, but you feel like, obviously, Hanan is perhaps the best in ring. Rina has the most character. I think Hina has comes on, come on leaps and bounds since I started watching Stardom because she was, I do not want to use the word boring. That's not fair, and it's not fair. Vanilla. I mean. you, use yes, vanilla. Yeah, she was the most vanilla of the three. 
Um, and actually, it was Wiener that I found more captivating in terms of in, from a character standpoint. But I do think, honestly, I think it's the long hair. But she feels like a stronger presence in the ring at the moment. And hopefully, I'm really hoping that she does get a little bit of a push because she is good in ring. She's worked on that charisma. So fingers crossed she gets the opportunity. But I'm with you. I think Hannon is going to have a fantastic year. And it wouldn't surprise me if you see Hannon maybe, depending on how big the field is for the Cinderella, if they go for a random number like they did last year because they don't do 32. Um, it was something like 40 or something ridiculous last year, or a number that didn't go into uh, into a single elimination tournament. It wouldn't surprise me if Hannon makes it to a quarterfinal or something like that and exposes, uh, exposes her to longer matches in uh, a singles capacity. Um, what did you give this, Matt? Uh, three stars. Yeah, I gave it the gentleman's three, let's call it. There it is. Um, there it is. So we opened the main card and we opened the Triangle Derby with the Triangle Derby one block match. The club Venus team of Mina Shirakawa, Zia Brookside and Mariah May defeating the lollipop team of Wakasukiyama, Rina uh, Amakura and Yuko Sakurai. Zia Brookside gained the pinfall over Waka with the Brooksy bomb in nine minutes and five seconds. Uh, Matt, obviously... I don't know a great deal about Maria um, Maria May. I know a little bit about Zia Brookside. Obviously, Zia Brookside's been in Stardom before, around 2017 to, I think, 2019. Um, but I haven't seen a great deal of her. I know a little bit, like I say, mainly due to NXT UK. But I don't know a great deal about Mariah May. What was your opinion? How do you think they came across during this? I thought other than Mina, she was the MVP of this match. I thought the way this match was structured uh, against I Brookside has had a lot of um, exposure being under the WWE NXT umbrella. Mina Shirakawa, obviously what she's been able to do the last six or seven months in stardom has been fantastic. Mariah May was the biggest question mark for me on this Club Venus team, and I thought she absolutely crushed it. Um, she want to talk about maximized minutes. Everything she did in the ring made sense. Uh, they, did, they didn't overexpose her. I believe she's, she has been wrestling too, too long, but her timing, her ring positioning, when she would hit a big spot, they would kind of do like their own little club Venus thing. Um, so I thought that was really good. And also on the other side of Lollipop, I didn't realize it until this match was starting, Walker's like the leader of her own faction here. If you think about it, she was, she's kind of nobody, you know, I mean, now we have another arena. And then we have another Sakurai to, to, to be to be talking about now. So it's like we have two Sakis, two Momos. We have Arena. We have another Sakurai. And I think there's somebody else too on one of these matches. I'm like, oh boy, it's another one with the, with the, with a common name. It's gonna it's gonna be uh, not gonna take me long to get confused. But I thought it was really good. You know, Waka. She's just so damn endearing, and now she comes out with this giant lollipop like she's going into the Wizard of Oz movie, as if we couldn't love her enough. Um, but there was a lot of. Um, facial expressions back and forth with Waka and Mina. Uh, not a lot, but just like enough subtle where you think something's going to happen. And we mentioned it uh, last week on the show with Karen Peterson that uh, with this Waka having three months to get a win, that uh, I think she's going to go to this Club Venus. I really, really do. There just seem to be like enough interactions to kind of keep pulling the thread here, which again, just goes to show just how fantastic they're doing uh, with Waka over this last year and a half. It's funny you should mention that because actually I've got a quote here from the post-match interview in terms of the exchanges between Mina and Wacker because after um, Wacker eats the Brooksy bomb, uh, you actually see Mina Sharikawa go over to her and it's 
It's not aggressive. It's not. Um, it's constructive. Um, it's not sort of pampering her and saying, "Oh, there, there." It was. It was more of a right. Come on, constructive. And I think that's a huge difference between the way that Mina is going about this and the way that Tam is going about this. Um, and obviously, it's worth bearing in mind that they are both still in Cosmic Angels, technically. Um, but Shirakawa, post-match, talks about how she knows how Sukiyama felt when Tam said that. Um, she lost at Corican all the time. So I think I understand the feeling the most. I know how Tam felt when she said that to you, and that's why I do it. Okay, can you keep t- can you keep up with the rigorous training? And it's all about laying those seeds for this inevitable whacker um, departure from Cosmic Angels. And I was thinking about this, and I, I can't remember if I brought this up on the um, Dream Queendom review. If Wacker leaves and Mina leaves, that leaves Natsupoi and Tam as full-time members of Cosmic Angels. Now, obviously, you've got Saki and the Colors Girls, and you've got Yunagi when she drops in, but that's two people for Cosmic Angels. Are we going to see, before the end of the year, the full collapse of Cosmic Angels? Oh, geez, I hope not, but I totally see your point, and I thought about that, and I think the remedy of that is you bring Saki in more full-time. I think she's great. She was, We'll get into it in a minute. I thought she worked great with Tam and Natsupoi, and then I think that you also bring in um, uh, some more members of Colors. Uh, you bring in the uh, Azumi's Challenger from uh, from Dream Queendom. Um, what was her name? Uh, why am I drawing a blank here, buddy? Help me out here. Tag me. I'll tag you in. What was uh, I, I, the girl that? Which one? The girl that uh, just challenged Azumi for the high speed belt. At oh, Dream Shimizu. Queendom. Shimizu. That's right. I thought she was great. She's part of Colors. Correct me if I'm wrong. She is. Yeah. I thought she was great. So and this is something that I've been kind of thinking about. If obviously, if you have Mina leaving, um, which it, uh, that's going to happen, then Waka leaving, I think you bring Shimizu and Saki in in more of a full time basis. And then uh, when Yunagi, I think that what you're doing with Yunagi is genius because you're kind of keeping her away and then bringing her back. It's kind of like the old saying, you know, how can I miss you if you don't go away? Um, it was so great to see Yunagi back uh, at Dream Queendom. But I think that if you bring Yunagi back maybe once every like three months, four months, and then you put her in a, you know, a six-man uh, tag, a six-person match, excuse me, with Cosmic Angels, I think it'll bring more buzz. But I think especially Saki because she just yeah, – I thought she had a really good five-star. I think she'll – if she's booked for Cinderella, I think she'll have a really good Cinderella tournament. And I just think that you kind of bring Saki in more full-time. But it is a possibility because it's all these – you're literally having two new factions that have popped, popped up in the last eight months with God's Eye and now this Club Venus – so it is a possibility that you may see the full collapse of Cosmic Angels, but at the same time, I mean, let's call it like we see it. That Cosmic Angels faction is a money-making machine, and I think that it wouldn't be uh, really – I think it would be a detriment to the uh, pocketbook of one Rossi Ogawa if you collapse the Cosmic Angels faction. I mean, the only thing that I can think is if they are going that route, maybe they make Meltier a full-fledged thing. But again, we'll see how this goes in terms of – Cosmic Angels and uh, Meltier, it's it's intriguing what they're doing with Mina. Um, uh, I gave it three stars, Matt. What about you? Three and a quarter. Yeah, I, I, I must admit, actually, you bought uh, you talked about Mariah May. She massively impressed me. Um, I don't know what I was expecting when I saw her, but I expected Zaya Brookside to take the lead. Um, simply because I thought she was the one with more experience. But actually, I thought Mariah May gave a really, really, really good account of herself, and I'm actually looking forward to seeing more of her and seeing her progression. Um, 
we move on now. Let's talk a little bit about the next match, which was another triangle derby block match, which saw the prominence team of Suzu Suzuki, Risa Sarah, and Haragi Kurumi, the new artist of Stardom Champions, defeating the team Unique Glare, which is Starlight Kid, Haruka Umasaki, not Karma, thank God, and Ruwaka, with uh, Suzu Suzuki getting the pinfall with the tequila shot in six minutes and six seconds. Um, short, Matt, but still not as short as the IWGP Women's Championship match at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, this match, considering everybody involved, um, I'm not going to say it was a bad match. I was a little disappointed. I was expecting a little more. I'm a big fan of Yumasaki. I mean, I ranted and raved how much I loved her match with Sai Kamatami at Dream Kingdom. Ruwaka's improving uh, so much, which I'm so glad to see. Sai Lake is one of the best wrestlers in the world. And then on the other side, I'm prominence. Uh, Haragi, I enjoy. Risa Sarah, I'm a big fan of. And I'm really, really big on Suzu Suzuki. Out of all the wrestlers that I've never seen before in 2022 that I, I did see uh, this past year, I was most impressed with Suzu Suzuki by leaps and bounds. And I'm so excited for her next big match coming up. Obviously, we'll get to that at the end of the show. So I was expecting a little bit more, especially when Starlight Kid and Suzu Suzuki basically picked up where they left off from their uh, fantastic five-star Grand Prix match. Um, but we've only got like a little bit of Starlight Kid and Suzu Suzuki. And then there were some tag outs with Yumasaki and Risa Sarah. I'm like, that'll be good. And they only gave us a little preview there. And I kind of figured just watch as much as I've watched stardom over these last two years that it'll build by just giving a little bit of taste and then it'll build up towards the end. And then it never got there. Like Suzu Suzuki, like the finish for your new uh, artist of stardom championship team should have been a little bit more of like a big finish, like maybe Suzu hitting the German suplex or Risa Sarah hitting the double knees um, from the top rope or a combination, maybe like Suzu hits the tequila shot and then Risa Sarah hits the double knees or vice versa. But it was almost like a tequila shot roll up on Ruwaka. Who's like the one member of the team. You really don't need to protect uh, six minutes. Like I said, it was, it was good. I was expecting a little bit more, um, but still enjoyable. Three and a quarter stars. Yeah, I gave it three and a quarter stars. I think you've got to bear in mind as well that they are given a 15-minute time limit, so they have got to properly cram everything. However, you know, if you're looking at the card, there was only one, two, three matches of the seven tournament matches that actually went into double figures. So you could have given this longer. Again, the more Suzu Suzuki and Starlight Kid I see, the happier I will be. But... Again, it was there, did a job, prominence win, and are kept strong because obviously they are our artist of stardom champions. Again, I completely agree with you. I gave it three and a quarter stars. Um, match three then. Again, I'm not going to bother saying triangle derby block match for all of them because they're all triangle derby block matches. Uh, we got my ha- my Himmy with the C, Micah Himmiger and Lady C, defeating the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano, Natsupoy, and Saki with... You missed the match. You missed the match, buddy. Did I? What did I miss out? It's uh, M&H, Mayu Han, and Oh, no, I've just got that match afterwards. That's why. Let's go for that then. So, (laughs) Gold Ship, which is Natsukatora, Saki Gajin, and Momo Watanabe, defeating H&M's, which is Mayu Iwatani, Hanan, and Momo Kogo, with a move they are calling the Trifecta, which appears to be the name of a triple team finish of the Swanton, the B-Driver, and Saki finishing it off with the diving double foot stomp in 9 minutes and 29 seconds. Did enjoy this match. I enjoyed the interaction between Momokogo and Saki. So, you know, sort of hearkening back to Momokogo attempting to bring Saki Kashima to the light side and bring her back into the Folding Stars. And here they were just beating each other up, which was great. She was determined to sort of stand up to Saki and not be sucked into her ridiculousness. 
it did a job. Um, the thing that annoys me most in this, and this is the teacher coming out in me, H&M's has got an apostrophe and it doesn't need one um, because it's not possessive and it's not missing a letter. There's no omission. Now, I know, obviously, I'm an English teacher, so that is going to bother me, but I couldn't think of anything else then for this entire match. Folks, this is the fantastic commentary you have. Not only do you have two huge fans of professional wrestling and stardom, but you get the professional, the inside, the 20-year independent wrestler in Matt Turner and the teacher in Rob Goodwin. So like, it's like you get double on top of a double on top of a double. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, I mean, how can you not love this podcast? I thought this match was great. The uh, As much as I kind of, not much I complained, as much as I would have wanted more Starlight Kid versus Suzuki in the previous match, we got that in spades with Mayu and Momo uh, for mm-hmm. the time given. Yes, and I yes. will never, yes, and you, you know me, I love Mayu versus Momo in any way I can possibly get it. Um, I was a big fan of all the uh, the Peach Rock stuff that we got. Mayu did a really good job, her and Momo Kogo. They uh, did a whole bunch of double team moves that they did in the uh this past year's, uh, well, that, technically last year's tag league. And uh, Mayu and Hana, they had some really good uh, tag stuff as well. I thought all that was done very well. And I'm a big fan of the finish, the B-driver into the swanton, into the double stomp. And if you would have told me that Saki Kashima was getting the pin here, I would have bet a lot of money on Saki pinning Mayu in about four minutes with the Kishi Kasai. That did not happen. However, I absolutely love this match. I had it at three and three-fourth stars. This was the first match that I thought this has got the correct structure. You know, it didn't feel like they were throwing moves for moves' sake and they didn't feel like they were pressed for time. I thought they structured it really well. You got the little stories here and there. You know, I thought all of the matches from here on in sort of focus on either someone or a feud. And I thought here the focus was on Momo Kogo and on Saki Kashima. And again, the more I see Saki Kashima, the happier I am because I think she's dreadfully underrated and generally just a fantastic wrestler. I think Momo Kogo continues to improve. Um, overall, I gave it three and a half stars. I thought it did what it needed to do, made Goldship look brilliant. I think H&Ms could be potential spoilers but I don't think we're going to be seeing them challenging for the top spot in the block, do you? No, sir. Um, Let's move on then as we move to the match that I tried to talk about before. Now it's this match, uh, which is my Himmy with C. I don't know why I've got those two the wrong way around. Um, Micah Himmiker and Lady C defeating Cosmic Angels, Tamla Khanu, Natsupoy and Saki uh, when Micah reverses the fairy blink in 11 minutes and 20 seconds. And I would argue this is the first real shock of the Triangle Derby because I did expect... Cosmic Angels, you look, they are strong across the board. There's no real weak link in there. And bless her, Lady C is, I don't want to say she's still a jobber, but she is the least experienced in the entire match. I ex- I expected her to eat the pin here, but no. Um, Natsupoi eating the loss against two of her former faction mates, uh, Matt. Yeah, um, really a heartbreaking few days for Tam. Loses the tag belts on the 29th. Loses this match and then the next day gets six minutes. I'm not going to go over that any more than we already did. But you know, poor Tam. <laughs> but I thought, yeah, I thought Lady C, I thought she worked great here with Mike and Himika. They really used their size advantage. I thought Saki was great here. I thought how Cosmic Angels structured the first part of the match with they were using triple teams uh, to kind of basically get them, get the one over on the other uh, 
larger and stronger opponents of my hammocka with C. That sounds like an alcoholic drink. My hammy with a shot of C. It does. Um, maybe that. <laughs> maybe we'll make that drink, and that'll be the drink that we're drinking when we do the uh, the Cinderella oh, tournament. Absolutely, preview. can't wait. How much C <laughs> you putting in your my hammy with C? <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know come March. <laughs> but uh, I thought there was uh, yeah, really, really good stuff here. I thought, not, again, Natsupoy, I talked about it last week. I thought she was one of the MVPs of the entire show, Dream Queendom. She was just operating on a completely different level here. Uh, just everything she does is just quick. The timing's really good. Her facial uh, selling when throwing strikes and when getting hit with stuff has just gotten uh, much better than it's been the last six months. Not that it was bad before, but all these little things, Natsupoy is just really putting together looking really good here uh big fan of uh, himika doing the jumbo sharuda knee they did the tower doom superplex spot on a natsupoy so when you have it's it, that's a cool looking spot but then when you do it to natsupoy who's like all of four nine and 110 pounds soaking wet holding a brick i mean natsupoy <laughs> just taking these giant bumps as like god bless her um and the finish was a, I thought it was a great finish, really came out of nowhere. You see Natsupoy trying to do uh, the ferial blink onto Micah, but Micah just using that experience to counter and getting the roll up, I thought it was genius. My only complaint about this match, there was not enough Tam Nakano in the match, um, <laughs> but she did, she did kind of step aside to, everyone knows she's the leader of the faction. She kind of did step aside where Natsupoy can get her shine in and Saki as well. Again, that's why I think Saki should be joining Cosmic Angels full-time because I thought she was great here. And they, uh, the other five ladies did a great job of making sure she had proper time to shine. A great match, solid match. I had this at four stars. I think um, Saki needs to be complimented for the fact that she's picked up the dance a lot quicker than Wakasuki Yama has. Um Okay, for, to be fair, Waka still hasn't picked it up. So. No, she hasn't. And to be fair, they've just sort of given up with her uh, in, in all senses for the dance, for the faction, all over. But um, I talked about how each match sort of focuses on either individual or in a feud. I thought Natsupoi was the MVP of this match. And in fact, she was the MVP of the entire night um, with one with one exception, which we'll, uh, we'll get into. I thought she was tremendous. I thought as a baby face, there are very few more over than Natsupoi at the moment. And you mentioned the, you know, the facial expressions and things like that. The determination to face Himika and Micah at the start to just having the absolute purple Jimmy Beanada throughout this entire match. And yet she still stood resolutely trying to go strike for strike with the likes of Micah and Himika. It just makes you want you. You're willing her to get the victory. And then of course it's her that eats the pinfall in the most flash pin of fashions i thought it went the perfect amount of time i thought it focused on the right person and i gave it three and three quarter stars i believe i gave it uh yes i did three and three quarter stars one of the better matches of the night and in fact matt i'm gonna make uh, an emphatic proclamation i'd argue that up until this moment this is the greatest triangle derby match ever you know what? Up until we get to match six, I agree with you, and that just shows you how bold we are, sir. Honestly, how inc- honestly, how incredibly <laughs> bold we are. We don't, we don't care. This is our show, folks. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's move on then, as we head towards our main event. We go with seven up: Nene Takahashi, you, and Yuna Mizumori defeating the classmates team of Hazuki Kogama and Saya Ida, with Nene Takahashi picking up the pinfall with the EX in. Eight minutes and 50 seconds. Um, I enjoyed this match, but it did sort of feel like it was just 
there. It felt like it was missing something, Matt. Was that just me? Yeah, I was missing maybe something, maybe a little bit towards the middle. Uh, maybe it was Rush a little. The beginning started off on fire, especially see classmate just slamming people onto everybody. I thought Hazuki now with that red gear looks fantastic. And Absolutely. literally, as I'm saying that, I have I have an Arisha Hoshiki uh, DVD set uh, on my TV, and I looked up and Hazuki's challenging Arisa, and it was flirty Hazuki. So that uh, that that made me <laughs> smile. So anywho, be that for as a May, maybe that'll be a Patreon, the best of flirty Hazuki. I thought Hazuki in the red. Uh, she's done a great job with her outfits this past year. And again, I think she's literally on the cusp of just maybe one big thing to propel her up into the main event status, whether that's her winning the Cinderella tournament or not, remains to be seen. But I thought she was great here. I thought she was the MVP of the match. I thought uh, the, the exchanges with uh, Nene and uh, Hazuki, they were stiff. Uh, they were great. And then Saida gets in there, and they're, they're, they're fantastic as well. I thought you, meaning you, the wrestler, and you, Rob, were both terrific here <laughs> in this match. But yeah, it kind of had like a really hot beginning. Uh, they started doing dives. It kind of really not much going on in the middle. And then I think they were just looking for filler there. Um, and then they do the uh, the T gimmick spot, uh, almost like a th- the three way T. Uh, they tease the T gimmick onto uh, Saida, kind of build it up a little. And then they almost do like a three way with Miz, a uh, three way T gimmick spot with Mizumori. And then um, Nene hits her finisher, the uh, the MX onto Saida, just crushes her. Um, for the three count. Uh, but I, I thought overall this was pretty good. No, I didn't like it as much as the last match. Still uh, really, really enjoyable. I'm excited to see what Hazuki, Koguma, and Saida are going to do in this tournament. Um, but I had this at three and three-fourth stars. Yeah, I gave it three and a half. Um, I think classmates have got fantastic chemistry. Um, I think that Nene, Takahashi, and you are really starting to build up that rapport and feel very much a cohesive unit. I'm not entirely sure how Mizumori fits into that. Mizumori's fantastic. I just don't know how, how she fits in with the dynamic of uh, Nene Takahashi, especially, um, who, good God, I swear she's screaming louder, Matt. I genuinely do think that the screams are escalating. Ooh, yeah, that's, um, I haven't really noticed it until you pointed it out maybe about a month or so ago, but I noticed Shiri's screams are being lower and Nene's are more, and I think maybe that's like Nene's like, hey, look, here's a deal. I'm coming in for this match at Stardom, next Stardom. I'm going to put you over, clean in the middle. Not a problem. Whatever you want to do. But the screaming gimmick, that's mine, kid. <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> maybe that'll be a new blood match where they'll just have scream on a bowl match. Um, and the passion injection match. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, match seven, then, our semi-main event was the Queen's Quest team of Yutami Hayashista, Sai Kamatani, and Azumi, and the team of Abarembo, God's Eye, Suri Marai, and Amasori, ending in a 15-minute time limit draw, perhaps the most telegraphed, pardon me, result, especially as we both feel that it's going to be the final heading into uh, the third of Mar- the 4th of March. Um, with this, with all the rightful um, sort of fury around exchanges between Suri and Utami and, you know, how much history there is there. And obviously you've got the build for Amasuri and Sayaka Kamatani heading into Nagoya. You sometimes forget how good the exchanges are between Suri and Azumi. Like, they will occasionally just have these matches. Most most of the time in the five-star, they'll have this um, singles match and you'll be like, oh my God, I forgot how well these two work together. And we had maybe three or four minutes in this 50-minute time limit draw where it was like, I could watch these for 20 minutes, just kick every single manner of Jimmy out of each other. There's so many different interweaving storylines here. You look at it, it's like you have the two leaders of the faction, 
both 10 successful title defenses, both two of the best World of Stardom champions we've ever seen, both having some of the best matches we've ever seen, not just in Stardom, but in the wrestling the last 10 years. Do you have that story with Sherry versus Utami where it's never not going to be good? But the main part of this match, and right, and it was geniusly booked, was building up uh, Saya Kamatani defending the Wonder of Stardom Championship against Ami Sori. And by all means, if this is just a preview of what we're going to be getting for that title match, I mean, we knew it was going to be good, but I mean, this is going to be excellent. Yeah, you have the Azumi Sherry stuff as well, where it's just like the five star is always so good that when they have that match, uh, Azumi versus Sherry, which always seems to be on like night one, two, or three, that you just kind of forget about it as you get to the finals. But their chemistry is so well together. And then even like something we never mentioned this past year on the podcast is you have two of the best champions in all of wrestling for 2022, Shiri and Saya Kamatani. And uh, we talked about it last week. Karen Peterson is who's going to be the next handful of challengers for Saya Kamatani's white belt. I think a really smart decision that nobody sees coming uh, if they don't, if they keep the belt on Saya is Shiri has won every championship in this company, except for the white belt. I would love to see Sherry saying, you know what? We were champion. We won our belts on the same day uh, in 2021. You're the champion longer than me. I would love to see Sherry challenge Saya Kamatani for the wonder of stardom championship. Again, another story, another time, just literally something that no one really even talked about. I mean, the two best wrestlers in the entire world for me last year, I would love to see the two of them have a match. This match was great. You can kind of tell they were holding just a little bit back because as you predicted, as I predicted, this is going to be the finals. Now, Mr. Rob Goodwin, good sir. Not only did we both predict this would be the final, without uh, without me saying anything to my wife, I ba- uh, when this show first started, I basically gave I gave her the two blocks. I said, "What do you think the finals are going to be?" She had no idea what I said, no idea what you said. She quickly said, "It's clearly going to be Queen's Quest versus God's Eye." And then she thought about it and broke it down to why God's Eye will win the triangle derby and she agreed with you so she's on your side i mean lovely as that is i it just it lowers it just lowers my thought like i just i don't i I don't think they're gonna win now um just because i guessed um i mean i talked about nats boy being one of the mvps of the night the mvp for me was amisori who i thought had one of her best outings in stardom during this match. She was in the ring for the most amount of time. Her and Saika Matani had some fantastic exchanges to the point where I felt in God's eye, um, Amisori, despite debuting with Suri as like the initial member of what would become God's eye, I think Mariah's oversh- um, sort of overshadowed her. But I thought here the focus was solely on Amisori. I thought they did incredibly well building her. Um, the only thing. I'd have changed. It's a very small thing. The only thing I'd have changed is I'd have had Amisori hit like a thunderbolt rather than Sayakamatani hit Star Crusher as the time expired. Because it just okay. it, it feels like well, at the moment it's a one percent chance that Amisori is going to win this match. And I feel like just that proof that I had you, I had you. Had that bell not gone, I had you. It just adds maybe 
a two or three percent to the ninety-seven percent that Sayakamatani is going to win. It's a very small thing. I just thought it was a little bit, a little bit bizarre that Sayakamatani was billed as the stronger one heading into this match, which, for all intents and purposes, should be a relatively easy win for Saya, even if it'll be, as proved by this match, a really good title defense. That's uh, very. I, I completely understand and agree with you. But I'll even throw you. I won't say one better, but a little curb on you. Tell me what you think. What if, as time was expiring, Ami hits like a thunderbolt on Utami, the leader of Queen's Quest, and the bell rings, time limit draw, Utami's still laying there selling the big finish. Let's be honest, that's a phenomenal-looking finish, that like a thunderbolt. And then she's kind of almost half laying over Utami, and she's pointing to Sayakamatani saying, this is your leader of the faction, that's going to be you come the day, come the, come when I go, and she points at Saya's belt, when I go for the belt, that's going to be you, that's your leader, she's laying there because of me, and then basically pulls a Bill Goldberg and says, you're next. I mean, I'll raise you one more. What about if she gets Ooh. Utami and Azumi on it? No, I'm joking. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say, though, Matt, and I know, it's, I know it's a bold statement, I would say this is the greatest triangle derby match ever. And you know I don't... Rob Goodwin... I will agree with you, sir. This is absolutely. I will, I, as usual, <laughs> folks. We're going to agree with each other. Yes, I had this at uh, four stars. I had the um, uh, the uh, previous. Uh, I had the Miami Lady Sea versus Cosmic Angels at four stars, but this four stars I like just a little bit better. And this, I really telegraphs. This is going to be the finish. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, uh, I think had there been a winner here, um, it would have thrown a spanner in the works somewhat. But I think. This has to be the final, in my opinion. They're your two strongest teams. Like, there's no real... I know Amisori is sort of, of all six ladies, perhaps the nominated pin eater, which sounds really disrespectful, but, you know, when you've got Suri in that team, Suri is not going to be eating many losses, if any, in this tournament. So a lot of that is unfortunately going to fall on Amisori, but I thought, I think, overall, these two teams are your strongest throughout. Um... I gave it four stars. Again, really, really, really solid match and a good advert for the tournament. Um, our main event, though, saw Rebel and Enemy, the team of Ram Kachow, Micah Azaki, and Maya Yukihi defeating the Barry Barry Bombers team of Julia Tekla and Mei Sakurai when Yukihi made Mei Sakurai submit with the white eye in 14 minutes and 38 seconds just 22 seconds before the time limit um now i am going to say right from the outset that i am saying yukihi wrong i'm 99 percent sure i'm saying this wrong but i'm going to take matt's advice and i'm going to say with enough confidence yeah my man <laughs> that i'm just going to assume it's right but in all seriousness i thought yukihi was fantastic here i thought the chemistry between julia and ram was really really good um, I thought Tekla looked fantastic. She looked really, really up for this match. Um, really sort of emphasized the importance of this tournament, which is really, really important early on to really establish this as something that people want to win. Um, but Yuki, I thought, was fantastic. The little exchanges with Julia um, and the final finish with May Sakurai, I thought, was really, really, really well done, Matt. Yeah, you know, when this uh, when this was announced as the main event, I was like, really? Even with the time limit draw, I know you kind of want to send the crowd home with a definite winner. Um, I was like, you, 
I really thought the main event would have been QQ versus God's Eye. Or if you wanted a definite winner, you could have, you know, had Micah close the show. So I was like, well, what they're doing here is they're clearly, because obviously the Rebel uh, enemy team, other than Ram being in a few um, New Blood matches, are really kind of uh, really foreign to the, the, the starting fan base. So I was like, well, my thing is the reason why this is the main event is they're putting so much stock in Julia that doesn't matter who, and no disrespect to uh, my Sakurai and Tekla, because I think they're both great and they work so well with Julia. No disrespect to the two of them that they're putting so much stock in Julia. It doesn't matter who she's in the same corner or across the same ring with. They're going to just keep putting her in the main event because they see her as this gigantic star, and rightfully so. She's a gigantic star for this company. I mean, she just oozes like the next, you know, big, huge star right behind Io Shirai in the history of the company. So I kind of figured the end of this match is going to be Julia hitting you know the glorious driver or the northern lights bomb on somebody from the rebel uh x enemy team but uh yeah halfway through the match i thought uh maya was the mvp of this match i thought she was absolutely fantastic again i did i knew nothing about her going in i thought she was great uh julie did a great job getting her over and the fact that they closed this show the day before wrestle kingdom in front of 1600 people a week after their one of their biggest shows of the year with Julia's team getting defeated by relatively unknown and with, with a, it's a dominant win with a submission. You know, it's one thing we can catch somebody with a roll up, which he saw Micah do with not but with Maya getting a clear tap out victory over May Sakurai in the main event. And the fact that her exchanges with Julia were so good, you can sneak Maya in for a world of stardom championship match against Julia. The reason why I say that is who was Shuri's first challenger it, uh, last year. It was Mirai. We knew next to nothing about Mirai, you know, as a stardom fan base. And they had a fantastic match. And look at the year that Mirai had in 2022. I think you can really do that with Mirai here. I thought she was so good. I thought she was fantastic. She oozed charisma. Everything she did in the ring made sense. They put her over not only in the match, but her having getting the definite win in this main event on this pay-per-view. I would not be shocked if we see her challenging Julia for the World of Stardom Championship because it's, it's already there. Hey, I want a title shot. I beat you up in the match. I tapped out your uh, your tag partner right in the middle of the ring in the main event. I want a title shot. I'm just looking at the um, five-star Grand Prix because you made me think about who the first challengers could be to Julia um, and her red belt. And obviously, we have one that we're going to talk about in a moment. Um, I think the Maya bit, the the blah, 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 the Yuki one is a great, idea certainly for perhaps a smaller show um i think would be a really really good title defense in terms of the five star she lost to mirai so there's a ready ready-made tile shot she lost to hazuki don't forget so that's an amazing tile defense waiting to happen she also lost to momo watanabe which i'm sure makes you very happy because the prospect of a julia versus momo match is extremely exciting and then she picked up two draws against Mayu Iwatani and uh, Suzu Suzuki. Now, uh, Suzu Suzuki did come out and challenge her, and that has been made official for a Saka Supreme fight at the start of February. Um, now, uh, both of us, Matt, are enormous fans of Suzu Suzuki. And were it not for her prominence commitments and her, her love of the death match, um, I feel like... Rossi would be handing her a black check and blank check and going, right, we need you now. Um, I'm surprised that she's the first challenger. And the only reason I'm surprised she's the first challenger is because Julia is winning it. 
100%. It's not going to be a time limit draw, not for the first tile defense. She is winning. And I just feel you could have waited maybe two or three tile defenses just so there's that element of doubt because Suzu Suzuki is such a hot commodity. Not to the extent of Mercedes Monet, obviously, but she's such a hot commodity. They've got such a hot story going in as well. The relationship between the two, the history between the two. I would have loved them to leave it just a couple of months so that you just start to sow those seeds of people going, they wouldn't, would they? No. Whereas I feel like it's, it's fairly telegraphed that Julie is winning. I totally see your point and why I can, I do not disagree with you. I would play devil's advocate and play the flip coin when you're going to start, which is going to be a absolutely fantastic rain. There's no way it's not. I mean, you already have against so many ready-made challengers, you know, with Mayu, Momo, Watanabe, Hazuki, Mirai, you know, they'll build Utami up. Shiri can say we're one-on-one title matches. They can run that back. There's so much that you can do. You want to start this, championship run off with a bang and again everyone that i just mentioned uh you could build starlight kid back up you bring nasa in um you know kind of going off the whole breaking up of ddm back in the summer uh there's that as well but i think that when you go to start this um this title run off i think this is the uh again i'm not disagreeing with you but i'm kind of just saying that you want to start this title run off with an absolute banger and if you go back and watch those final seconds of their draw at the five-star, which if Julia would have lost, Souza would have went to the final. Souza hit the tequila shot and the back-to-back um, uh, locomotion German suplexes. And then she, uh, Julia kicked out and then Souza was on top of her, just really dominating her in those last moments of the match. Again, if it was an MMA fight, I don't know if you're a judge how you do not score that match uh, for Suzu Suzuki. So I think you're kind of going to play off that. Is the match going to be great? Absolutely. I see your point of view. We're going to give it a little bit of, you know, give it give it some doubt. But at the same time, I don't see Julia losing this belt for at least a year. At least a year. Not unless, heaven forbid, uh, you know, I have to bring it up. I hate talking about it. Heaven forbid she gets injured. Um, but I just don't see. I mean, this is, this is going to be your cash cow moving on forward. You want to capitalize on a bigger 2022. Uh, this is how you do it in 2023 by strapping the rockets to Julia and giving her at least a 14, 15-month run. And I think this is a great way to start it. And who's not to say maybe they run it back a second time? Maybe Suzu gets some steam. Maybe uh, gets gets some steam going into the summer. Maybe a big show in November or something like that, where it looks like Su- you know they give Suzu another shot where she almost beats her. Kind of very similar what they did um, and Eo's run with that second match with with Mayu. Uh, the way that Mayu was built up is looked like that Mayu was going to uh, was going to win that match at the end of 2016. So um, maybe you go that way. There's a zillion again. There's a zillion different routes they can go where I just don't think it's going to get messed up as all. Regardless, um, this is going to be an absolute barn burner, fantastic of a first title defense for our world of stardom champion. I will quantify what I said. This match will be an absolute banger. Um, Like, irrelevant of whether you think Julia is going to retain, which I think she probably will. Well, I don't think she probably will. She will. Um, the match will be absolutely stellar because you look at who they are. Julia's fantastic. Suzu's fantastic. And they've got the history to make it not only just an absolute slugfest, but also to sort of weave that narrative into as well and weave that history into the narrative. Um, I just My only thing now is obviously the Cinderella tournament is our next big tournament out of this. And I also want to ask you a question about this tournament as well in a minute. Um, 
the vast majority of winners have gone for the white belt. Anyone that has gone for the red belt, there have been three people who've gone for the red belt, they've all lost. This Cinderella tournament is synonymous with the white belt. If the Cinderella challenger goes for the white belt, takes on Sayak Amatani, of those people I've mentioned that Julia sort of has unfinished business with in regards to the five-star last year, who do you have her take on at Yokohama Arena? Oh, I already said it, Hazuki. Okay. Rather my I already said Hazuki. Um, there's another one, but I will just because just because we're we're also a comedic podcast, Rob. I'm going to say this as well. You said that they usually go after the white belt. What if Mayu wins the Cinderella? She's like, I've never won the future of Stardom belt. I won this tour. <laughs> I won this tournament. I know the qualifications. I get one wish. Um, that that is yes. I that um, that would be the most Mayu thing ever, would it not be? <laughs> I do um, I do feel like having said what you've just said, it does make me realize that we didn't talk about Mayu's throw. Oh yes, I texted you as soon as it happened. I literally stopped what I was doing and I was like, buddy, you gotta see this. <laughs> what in God's name is she doing? Like I do not understand love her. how oh my god, I do. She's just she's my spirit animal. Um <laughs> yeah, I do not understand how she doesn't fall down more often. Um <laughs> This tournament then, the Triangle Derby, obviously we are, well, technically we are two nights in. The second night was the 6th of uh, January at Corrigan. Um, do you see this in terms of the totem pole of stardom tournaments? Do you see this overtaking any of the more established tournaments in terms of prestige, or do you think this is very much a bottom of the totem pole tournament? And not necessarily an afterthought, but you get my meaning. Again, uh, it's number four, but again, let's not let let let's be more positive. Let's bring it up. The five star is the cream of the crop. The Cinderella, you pretty much get a white belt. The tag tournament, you pretty much get the tag title shot at the end of at the end of the year, the beginning of uh, or the end of the year at the at at the biggest show at uh, Dream Queendom. That pretty much seems to be the way that they're going um, over the 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 last two uh, two shows. So um, Dream Queendom shows, excuse me, uh, is what I meant. I think just because it's so new, it's, you know, where we've had how many, you know, we've had the Cinderella tournament starting, I believe, 2015. And we've had, you know, the 12th tag league and I think the 12th or 13th or the 12th um, five star. It could because it's new. It's the new kid on the block out of the four. If you're asking me to rank them, it would be number four. But I still think based on what we saw on night one, I think we're just in for so much more. There's so many different combinations of wrestlers and uh, tag teams and six person stuff that we can see here that I'm really excited to see um, what comes out of it, but they never mention that the winner of this tournament gets a shot at the artist belts, which I think is kind of, I think it kind of goes without saying, uh, don't you? That I think the winner, if it's not prominence, which I don't think it's going to be, gets a shot at the, uh, at the artist belts, which is either if it's my pick or your pick, that's going to be a tasty matchup. What is either prominence versus uh, queen's quest or God's eye. I mean, yeah, sign me up. As I always say, sign just keep taking my money. Yeah. I'd be very surprised if they don't get a, uh, I think it has been mentioned that they get a, a shot at the artist belt. I think as well, I think because the six, so the six person tag is sort of the redheaded stepchild of sort of the card. It's the match that was sort of, 
we're conditioned to sort of think, oh, okay, they're building to something. So, you know, you've got your singles matches, and obviously that's why the Five Star and the Cinderella are so exciting. You know, you've got tag matches which are, you know, slightly below that in terms of excitement, and then you've got six-woman tag underneath that. And I, I just hope that this right raises the profile of those six-woman tags because you look at, in 2022, there were some closet absolute bangers in the form of uh, six-woman and eight-woman tags, especially when it's the likes of Queen's Quest and Stars and people like that. Um, the combinations they have, they put on bangers, and I just hope like this triangle derby sort of comes to make everyone think, oh, actually, these six-woman tags are pretty damn good. We've been sleeping on them. Um, that's my hope, anyway. Um, let's have a look at some of these shows we're going to preview them because, good grief, they did a lot of announcements. Um, they had a press conference in order to announce the cards for the 8th and the 9th of January and New Blood and one of the matches for Stardom Award and then obviously had to change the cards for Nagoya and for, pardon me, the show on the 9th, the Tam Road show because of the um, the illnesses and poor physical condition. So at the moment, Triangle Derby one night three from Sunday the 8th of January 2023, which will be today as you're listening to this, uh, from the Nagoya International Conference Centre in Nagoya, Aichi. This is how the card stands now that it has been changed. We're opening with the Nagoya Rumble, uh, and the participants are Azuki, Kaga, Masaya, Ida, and Momo Kogo, uh, Azumi, Lady C, and Miyu Amasaki, Ruwaka, Mirai, and Yuna Mizumori. Um, the remaining matches on the card are we have got two triangle derby matches. We have got Cosmic Angels versus Prominence and we have got the Barry Barry Bombers versus Lollipop. Um, we have a six-woman tag match with the Club Venus team taking on the T- Oedetai team of Natsukatora, Saki, Kashima and Rina. Obviously, that's one of the affected matches from COVID. Uh, we've replaced our high-speed uh, semi-main with... It is, it is called the New Year's Gift Special Match. And when I read out what this tag match is, I think you'll agree that's a very apt title. Mayu Iwatani and Suri teaming together against Utami Hayashishta and Micah. Creepers, creepers. I tell you what, that's when uh, obviously these cards got shuffled because of COVID. So last year, I was like, what's the best possible matchup I can do to make up? Yeah, I'm going to put Mayu and Shiri on a team. Uh, up against you, Tommy and Micah. Wow. <laughs> Any combination of those four women in the ring is going to be great. If you give that 15, 16 minutes, you could be looking at one of the tag matches of the year, and that will be eight days into 2023. That's how, that's the level at which I'm expecting this, um, especially as there is only six matches on the card. One of them's a rumble. Um, and then, of course, we've got the main event, which is the Wonder of Stardom Championship match with Saya Kamatani looking to tie Momo Watanabe's defense record of the white belt against Amisori. Um, I think that main event match, um, I thought when Saya Kamatani called Amisori out at Dream Queendom, I was a little bit surprised that Ami was being put in this position. Not because she's not great, just... As we get close to this defense record, I expected a more high profile. I was basically expecting Momo. It's what I'm, it's what I'm getting at. Um, but I think Amisori proved during that triangle derby match that we spoke about. The greatest triangle derby match of all time. Um, all time. All time, Mama. 
Um, uh, I think she's proved she can hang with Sai Kamatani and she can put on a really good match. You give that 15, 20 minutes, you give that tag match 15, 20 minutes, that is going to be a very, very, very exciting uh, exciting card. Um, we've then got the Triangle Derby Night 4. That's also billed as the Anjo Municipal 70th Anniversary Tam Road, which automate, automatically makes it Matt's show of the year. Um, this is Monday the 9th of January from the Anjo City Gymnasium in Aichi. This is another card that was affected by the illnesses, and that stands as thus. We've got two singles matches to open the card. Tekla versus Momo Kogo and Suri versus Yuna Mizumori. We've then got a tag team match. Aphrodite versus the New Eras. That's going to be very, very yes. good. Um, we have got a six-woman tag. Club Venus versus Micah, May Sakurai, and Lady C. Obviously, that was supposed to be a um, triangle derby match, but Himika isn't well, so they've uh, ported my Sakurai in. Uh, we've then got an eight-woman tag match. This was initially supposed to be a ten-woman tag match, but again, illnesses have uh, forced Rossi's hand. We've got a stars team of Mayu, Kogama, Hazuki, and Sayaida taking on the Awedatai team of Nadsa Katora, Saki Kashima, Ruaka, and Rina. Um, and then our main event of Tam Road. We'll, of course, see Tam in the main event. Triangle Derby block match. Cosmic Angels versus Lollipop. Um, now, I've said that that is the main event. Obviously, cards are subject to change, and they may change the order round. However, with the show literally being called after Tam, I'd be surprised if she's not in the main event match. Well, poor Tam, the way that she's just been eating L's uh, these past 10, 11 days, the fact that it's called <laughs> Tam Road, she's in the main event, and it's against Waka's team. I mean, I'd be shocked if Waka pins Tam. Imagine <laughs> if this is where she gets that win. What a story that would be. What a I story. Will, I don't even think I'd even be mad because it's Waka. Like, how could she come to the ring and give that giant lollipop? What if she does this? She turns heel. She hits Tam with a lollipop, and then Tam gets. Tam, well, hold on, and then Tam does a little. little Tam does gets a little color, brother. You know what they say: red equals green. Tam's a bloody mess. You know, Waka's on top of her, just raining punches down like a Terry Funk versus Abdul the Butcher match from the '80s in Japan, and that's that. And then we see like you know, death metal Waka or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tam is a deathmatch wrestler or has been prior, so uh, who knows? That could be the feud heading forward. I think it would be so poetic for Waka to get her first match, her first win over Tam on a show named after Tam. <laughs> oh, just take my money. Take my money, Rossi. Um, we've got, also announced, was the card for the New Blood 7 show, um, which will see the start of the tournament uh, for to crown the inaugural New Blood Tag Team Championships that were announced at the end of last year. Um, this will be taking place from Belsal Takadanababa uh, from Tokyo. Can we just appreciate how well I got that out? Oh my what god! What I tell you, buddy? Honestly, oh. you got it, buddy. <laughs> Let's end the podcast there, mate. It's not going to get any better. Um, <laughs> we're going to open with a three-way match: Ruwaka versus Lady C versus Marika Kobashi. Um, we've got a singles match then: Rina versus Moran, who, of course, is the thirteen-year-old who both me and you were very high on uh, after her stardom debut against Miyu Amasaki. Um, we've got the Passion Injection match, Nene Takahashi versus Wakazukiyama, which I'm far more invested in than I think I should be. And we've then got 
all four of the quarterfinals for the New Blood Tag Team Championship. So these are your matches and thus the entrance into the tournament. We have got the Club Venus team of uh, Zaya Brookside and Mariah May taking on the team of Starlight Kid and <sighs> Karma. Um, we have got the God's Eye team of Mariah and Tomoka and Narva taking on the Stars team of Saeeda and Hannon. That's going to be a closet banger as well. That should be the main of, that should be the finals. I saw that and I'm like, ooh, sometimes you're a match that you want for the finals of your tournament. You're putting the first round to hook everybody and that's going to be your hook. That's going to be fantastic. I mean, I'm looking at this and I, I know who I think is going to be in the final, but we'll see if we feel the same way in a moment. Um, Amisori and Nanami are taking on Momokogo and Momoka Hanazano, who, of course, challenged um, Azumi for the high-speed championship at Gold Rush. And then it's it's slated as the main event, but I can't see this being the main event. Again, the running order might be slightly different for these quarterfinal matches. Um, is the Queen's Quest team of Hina and Miyu Amasaki taking on Mei Sakurai and Chan Yota. Now, I am just going to quickly talk about Chan Yota because she was initially slated to be on the New Blood, I believe, five card. Um, she is a former AV star, which is adult entertainment. Um, she will be returning to the New Blood tournament because a previous major sponsor, given her past, didn't want her in the company. Um, Stardom's response to that was to get a new sponsor who doesn't have an issue with it. So Chan Yota is back. Um, uh, Matt, of those eight teams that are taking part in this tournament, who do you think is your final and who do you think wins? I have not. I know. I only saw the matches. I didn't see the bracket. By looking at it, I'm going to say Mirai and Tomokanabe um, would be my winners. And then them going into again, I, I don't know the bracket, so I'm not sure if this is possible. If not them, then the team I think they should face in the finals because you want to put some steam behind Club Venus would be Zaya Bookside and Mariah May. That would be my finals. I would like to see Starlight Kid, and if Karma is wrestling a little bit more like Yumasaki, I think they can be an absolute banger as well. But I think this tournament is going to be fantastic because um, all those teams that are in there are really, really good. But uh, my pick to win and the team that I'm picking uh, as a fan, to, I know I'm a big fan of Wingory as you are, especially when they come out to the hand and theme. Another story for another day. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, uh, my pick to win it and the team that I'm pulling for, because I think they are the best combination, would be Tomoka, Inaba, uh, and Mirai. Now, completely agree with you. I think Mirai and Tomoka and Inaba win it. Um, you know what that means. Yeah, so <laughs> sure enough, the first champions will be Momokogo and Momoko Hamazana. Um I'm very surprised they've put Club Venus against Starlight Kid and Karma, because were they not together... I would say that Starlight Kid and Karma are nailed on for the final. Um, I'd be surprised if they don't reach the final anyway, but at the expense of Club Venus, that surprises me. Um, because you either put Club Venus through as the new faction, the new kids on the block, at the expense of Starlight Kid and Karma, who they've been building quite a lot on these new blood shows, especially especially Karma or Haruka Umasaki. Um, I would have loved to have seen a Starlight Kid and Karma versus Mariah and Tomoka and Arba final. That might still happen. But I don't know what to make of that Club Venus Starlight Kid and Karma match. I just don't. The way they can probably get out of that is if Karma gets DQ'd by, Ooh, by Fireball. It is. Um, it is your favorite. Your favorite. Oh, God. 
Um, yeah, <laughs> how many fireballs? How many fireballs are too many fireballs? Um, I'd love to see Wingori win it, but again, they're facing Mariah and Tomoka and Arbor, so I'm going to sit on the fence slightly more. I think whoever wins the Mariah and Tomoka and Arbor versus Wingori match wins the titles. There you have it, folks. And I bet you this will be, out of all the New Blood championship title tag tournaments, this will be the best one yet. Absolutely. Absolutely. There will never be a better inaugural New Blood tag team championship <laughs> tournament. Is it bad? You just double down. <laughs> just double down on what I said, buddy. <laughs> Genuinely, is it bad that I'm actually slightly more excited for some of these New Blood tag team championship tournament matches than I am for some of the Triangle Derby matches? Um, no, I, I see your point. I like them equally as good uh, because I just love all the good wrestling. But you no, do. I totally see your point of view. I totally see your point of view. And again, if, if Yumasaki wrestles a little bit more like Yumasaki than Karma, like if she can kind of like if she's going to be in a widow tie, I know I'm sorry. I know this podcast is going, going on long, but if she's going to be in a widow tie. I think she needs and she needs to be a little bit more aggressive than Yumasaki, but not downright and dirty and boring as Karma. I think she needs to find somewhere in the middle of the karma gimmick and the Yumasaki uh, gimmick to fit in perfectly with the Weto tie. And I think that would be a really good niche for her. That's just me just saying. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. If she can find about, I mean, again, I'm, she's 21. She doesn't need a heel side. Just, you know, concentrate on elevating the brand of Harukuru Masaki because she's great. She's someone that both of us have said on these New Blood shows, oh my God, she's really talented. She had a good match with Sai Kamatani despite nearly dying off that horrible apron spot um, at Dream Queendom and came back to have a really good match. Um, if she can just sort of find a balance, then that would be a really good match, that Club Venus versus Stike and Karma. And again, that other match, Mariah and Tomoka Renard versus Wingori, is going to be fantastic as well. Um, final bit of previewing then. The Stardom Awards are taking place at Belsal Takadona Baba. Damn it, got it wrong that time, but never mind. Um, I said it with confidence, it's fine. Um, that's going to take place on Saturday, the 21st of January 2023. It's a two-event day. You've got the day show, which I believe is going to be um, the wrestling, and then the evening, which is your awards and photos and things like that. The only match announced for that so far is the Future of Stardom Championship match with Amisori making her second defense against May Sakurai. Um, there's nothing else announced for that card. Um, and also made official for the Osaka Supreme fight. We have got um, Julia and Suzu Suzuki for the red belt. And we've also got 7-Up versus My Himi for the Goddess of Stardom belts as well. So that has been made official for uh, Nagoya Supreme fight as well. Um, right. I think it's about time we get out of here because somehow, despite not a lot going on, we've gone nearly two hours again. Thank you so much for bearing with us, guys. Um, next week, we'll be talking Triangle Derby Nights 3 and 4, including Tam Road. And we will also have the results of the Starnumcast 2022 year-end awards. As you are listening to this on the 8th of January, you've got two more days to get your votes in. Go get them done. It's pinned to the top of our Twitter feed. Go and fill it in. It takes 30 seconds to do. We'd love to have your input. Thank you so much to everyone who has voted already. We have quite literally been inundated with responses, so I can't wait to go through the results on that. Dave, if you missed the show, don't worry. All of the results will go up on the website, and you can also find the results from 2021 
and 2020 as well. Um, in the meantime, check out the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Audible. We are physically everywhere. If you think we've deserved it, leave us a five-star review and a comment. It really does help the podcast get out to more people. We'd really massively appreciate it. You can subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the Cast for more of me and Matt talking absolute nonsense about this fantastic product, doing our alternate commentaries, retrospectives, uh, match reviews and watch-alongs. We do it all over at the Patreon, so go and check that out. Any social media for the Stardom Cast, you can go and check that out at the Stardom Cast. If you want to talk to me, I don't know why you would, but if you'd like to talk to me, you can find me at at Real Rob Goodwin. Matt Turner, plug all your stuff and see us home, my friend. Absolutely. First of all, Rob, I always like talking to you. So you just, you relax Thanks, over there. You got to put yourself <laughs> over a little bit more. Thanks, uh, you guys can, you guys can get a hold of me, Matt Turner OF on the Instagram and or the Twitter. Social media is not your thing. No problem. I understand. Hit me up at the stardom cast 22 at gmail.com. As I try to get back to everybody as soon as possible, we've been littered with so many fantastic and heartwarming messages, uh, both on the social media and the email as well. And it really, really means the world to us folks. It really, really does. And I share everything uh, with Rob. So anything that you send me, I share to him as well. And again, we greatly appreciate all the kind words that have been said to us uh, these past few months. It, uh, it makes all this hard work worthwhile, and we absolutely love doing it. Um, but like I always say, folks, any questions, comments, anything you need from me, let me know. Like I always say, it's not my podcast, it's our podcast, because we're all in this together, and everybody's different, everybody's special. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.